Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Coaching Matters Podcast brought to you by Fundraising University and Brian Kane Peak Performance. Coaching Matters is a nonprofit foundation whose primary purpose is to help coaches, athletes, and activities directors succeed in their programs, schools, and communities. Fundraising University works to help you raise the most amount of money in the least amount of time with the least amount of interference to support coaches and activities directors in enhancing the student experience and life skill development that is a critical component of our educational systems. Brian Kane, one of the world's leading mental performance coaches, works to educate, empower, and energize you to be your best through his 10 pillars of mental performance mastery systems. Together, each week, we bring you interviews, question and answer sessions, and group coaching around mastering mental performance, creating elite culture, and developing the leadership skills you need to succeed. And now, this week's Coaching Matters Podcast. Hey, how you doing? Brian Kane, host of the Coaching Matters Group Coaching Podcast, sponsored by Fundraising University. And just want to take a moment to say thank you to any current Fundraising University coaches and administrators joining us on tonight's call. Fundraising University is the top high school fundraising company in the United States, helping raise over $150 million for programs since its inception in 2009. Tonight, I'm super excited to have a discussion around transformational versus transactional coaching and how we want to use sport to teach life with my friend, Mick Aoki. Now, with a pedigree encompassing more than 450 NCAA wins and more than 50 draft picks by Major League Baseball organizations, Coach Mick Aoki is now in his third season as the head baseball coach at Moorhead State. Mick previously led the baseball program at Notre Dame for nine seasons and served as the head baseball coach at Boston College for four campaigns. He also held the head coaching spot in the Ivy League at Columbia University, and now 40 of his players over his time as a head coach have been named to the all-conference team. And Mick led the the Notre Dame Fighting Irish to 248 wins while seeing 26 student-athletes drafted into Major League Baseball organizations, including first-round picks. Four of his players went on to have stints with Major League teams, including current Notre Dame alums Kevin Biggio with Toronto and Trey Mancini with Baltimore. Now, in addition to all the on-field success, Aoki's Notre Dame clubs raised more than $75,000 for charity during a span of, of four seasons, including awareness for amyotrophical lateral sclerosis or ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And in 2018 and 19, the team at Notre Dame won the trophy for the most committed team on campus to community service. The thing I've always loved about working with Coach Aoki is he understands that baseball is a platform for teaching life and building better people through the game. In 2018 alone, his team logged more than 1,000 hours of community service and his teams consistently churn out 3.0 or better GPAs in the academic institutions where he's worked that are some of the best 
in the country. He's been a strong advocate for the Pete Freitas Foundation since the diagnosis of his former outfielder, Pete Freitas, with ALS in 2012. He was a freshman at Boston College during Coach Aoki's first season at BC and served as a team captain on the 2007 Eagle squad, which was Aoki's first as head coach. Thousands of thousands of live impacts through his coaching career. And tonight I'm excited to welcome my friend and a guy who I respect more than any, that more than anyone in the industry, coach Mick Aoki. Thanks for being here to help us discuss transformational versus transactional coaching and how you use sport to teach life. My friend, thanks for being here, Mick. Uh, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. I'm excited to talk to the group here. So uh, hope everyone is doing well. Yeah, so we've got a group here, uh, coach, tonight. We've got some high school coaches, college coaches. We've got youth coaches, coaches kind of from all different spectrums. And, you know, as somebody who's been uh, a Division One college baseball coach and been very successful, why do you see the need to focus on transformational versus transactional in the position that you're in? Why is that so important? Um, I, I, I would guess, you know, to kind of go back a little bit, right, is is when I first got into coaching, I think it was one of those things of, you know, I just want to stay with baseball. I've had this passion for it throughout my life. And, you know, you get into it and it's just about, hey, you know, how to field a ground ball, how to throw a slider, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and I think it became apparent to me probably most um, during my time at BC, right? And, and at the time at BC, one of the um, you know, BC is a Catholic school. It's a Jesuit school. And one of the things that they talk about is, you know, for, for others. And uh, that really started to resonate, right? At that at some level or another, what we're doing should be more than just about trying to get wins and losses. Um, don't get me wrong. Those, it's important. But I, I, but I think it's important from the standpoint of that's the, that's the goal that you set for your team, um, you know, that's the goal that you set individually to try to be the very best that you can. But when it's all said and done, I think that when you walk away from the sport and everybody walks away from the sport, whether it's baseball or, or hockey, or I don't know, maybe Tom Brady will be the first one to never do that, but it'll be, um, you know, it's, it, it, it is, it, it becomes about the relationships. It becomes about the experiences that you had. It becomes about sort of the, you know, the, the sort of the, the, the quintessential sort of blood, sweat and tears type of things that you put into it that you look back on really fondly. Right. Um, I mean, there's a home run or two that I hit that maybe I want, you know, I talk about and they get probably about 10 or 15 feet longer with each passing year. But it was like the fun that we had in the, in the dugout or on the bus or, you know, talking about, Oh, do you remember when coach flipped out like this and, 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 and all of those things. And, um, so I, I think that that was when it started to really resonate with me that coaching is a, is a hugely, hugely powerful platform that we have and that it should be just more than about the technical aspect of whatever sport we're coaching. Mm. You know, and, as, and especially at your level, Mick, I mean, you're coaching in, in, in the power five coaching in the ACC, where ultimately we know in college, in the business of college athletics, it comes down to a end result winning is how you're going to be evaluated. How, how did you as a head coach in that pressure cooker of coaching in the ACC and in the pressure cooker of, of you have to win, how did you still maintain a mentality of process over outcome? Cause it's what the process that drives results. How, how did you do that? I, I think it's just, it's something that I think is um, especially at the, like a place like Notre Dame where I was, I was in the types of, kids that we got to come there. I, I think it was so, so important to preach process over, 
end result, right? Um, those kids were really bright, uh, typically in the top 10 or 15% of their class, um, you know, from an ACT, SAT standpoint, those kids were north of 1,227 and, and everything. So they had had huge success in the, in the classroom. Um, they'd obviously had really big success on the baseball field. Um, and, you know, generally speaking, you know, jerks don't end up that right at, 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 you know, they might be a little selfish and they might be a little young when they're freshmen, but um, they're good kids and they're coming from good families. And so it was the first time that they get on the field and they weren't the best. They didn't run the fastest. They didn't, you know, swing the hardest. They didn't hit the ball the farthest. And I think the idea of like getting them into, look, we're not trying to compare you against your teammate. We want to compare you on a day-to-day of like, of you, are, are, are you better today than you were yesterday? And, and were you better, you know, in a month than you were a month ago in a year versus a year ago? And so I think that I always like to try to talk to our kids about the trajectory of what they look like after three or four years, rather than one given moment, right? Because I think you, you know, that success is success isn't a linear thing that, you know, success success looks like kind of like an echocardiogram, right? And, and hopefully when you look at it, it's, you know, it's one of those things that you see over the course of those three or four years. And I, I think that by and large, our kids got a heck of a lot better by the time um, they were leaving, whether it was, you know, uh, Notre Dame or Boston College or, you know, or, or, or Columbia before that. Our kids got better, you know, they, they got to be better people. Um, they got to be better players and, you know, of those kids that you mentioned of, you know, whatever the draft picks were, I mean, I'd say probably 85% of them were kids that were not drafted out of high school, you know? Um, and, and so I think you see the development curve there, but you know, those, those kids, like they grew up, man, they, they grew up and they matured. And if it weren't for the personal maturation, I don't think that it would have matched the athletic maturation as well. I think they go hand in hand. Mm. We're here with Coach Mick Aoki. He's the head baseball coach at Moorhead State. If anybody has questions, please feel free to put those inside of our chat. And as we do with each of these coaching matters, group coaching and podcast calls, we like to spend about the first half an hour having our guest speaker tonight talk about the topic at hand, which is kind of transformational versus transactional coaching. And then we go into question and answer on on the second half session. So Coach Aoki, Aoki, continuing down the path of of transformational and transactional coaching as you as you take over a program at Moorhead State what are some of the fundamental things that you do initially as a coach to help create a culture of transformation and to help create that culture where you're building better people through baseball what are some of those first things that you do with your program um the me moving to Moorhead State was a really interesting one right because coach McGuire who, who preceded me had, had had a great deal of success and, and he's moved on now to, um, you know, USC upstate and he, and he's considered, he, he's continued that thing of success. I, I think the thing, so I, I wasn't really looking to like change sort of the baseball culture of things very much. Right. Our, our kids worked hard on the baseball field. They want to, they want to win. Winning is really important to them. I think that maybe what I brought to the mix a little bit more was the like, to try to develop the person, to take an interest in, um, you know, the person more than the player, uh, the student more than the player. Um, you know, I think it's, I think it's uh, Jeremy Sheetinger, right? He always talks about like, you know, person, student, player in that order all the time. 
And I think that's really important. So some of the things that we came in and we talked about is, you know, our, our acronym is, is our, our mascot is obviously Eagles. And like you taught me, whatever, but way back in, I don't know, 2015 or whatever, we turned that into an acronym, right? And um, we, I, I had to add an Eagle, so A-N, Eagles, right? And, and it's just, we went right down and it was attitude and no fear and energy and, um, you know, uh, our, our approach, our grit, our love for our teammates, um, you know, our effort, and 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 finally, um, we're unequal. Yeah, so unequal. So there it is. I got I got to the end of it. Um, all of those things, and what we talked about was, hey, this is who we are on the baseball field, right? We're going to play hard. We're going to play fast. We're going to play loose. We're going to we're going to compete with no fear. But we're going to take that same approach to the classroom, and we're going to do it at a high level in the classroom. We're going to do those same things. Um, we're going to sit up in the front, the prior power triangle, all those different things. We're going to do that within the community, right? Moorhead, Moorhead is a small town in, in Eastern Kentucky. And so everybody knows who everybody is, right? The college kids and the kids in town are, I mean, th there's a really stark difference. Most of our kids are just wearing their Moorhead State baseball stuff around. And so they kind of, they stick right out. So we're, we're going to be good we're, we're going to be good for the community as well. And we're going to do all of those things and, and do it at a really high level. Um, and, and so I think that those are things, the whole, you know, the, uh, I, I think uh, the, a couple of times ago when I was on here, right. It was uh, the, the softball coach up in Wisconsin, whose yeah, name Leslie. escapes me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so sorry about that, Leslie, if you're on the call, I, I apologize. <laughs> um, but, you know, the whole and the Urban Meyer deal with the E plus R equals O, right? I mean, it's just all of that stuff. And, and we outlined it on a piece of paper, right? And hey, this is what it looks like. This is what the behavior looks like on the field, in the classroom and in the community that's above the line. This is what it looks like to be below the line. And we're going to stay above. We're going to stay above the line. And that's where we exist. And uh, one of the great things with our kids at Moorhead is that there is a incredibly high degree of accountability within the locker room, right? Um, you know, the whole idea of the player led rather than coach fed is, is alive and well at, at Moorhead state. You know, Mick, I love that. I love that concept. Some of the things that you're mentioning here about player led versus coach fed about the E plus R equals O, right? An event plus response equals outcome. We can't control the events that happen around us, but we can control our, our response. And that response is going to influence the outcome. So I want to come back to that E plus R equals O and in a, in a moment, but would you talk about the concept of player led versus coach fed? And when you take over a program is, are you immediately trying to get it to be player led or do you want to go in first and kind of establish as, as a friend of mine, who's a division one college baseball head coach like yourself just said, he says, it's my program, but it's their team. I want to establish what my program is, but we'll then let them kind of run and try to police the team. What's your take on how and when do you go as you take over a program from being coach fed to player led? Uh, I think to me anyway, from, from my own um, personal opinion is that I, I think you have kind of a, like a, a collective discussion about it. Like, and, and we start with, okay, who do we want to be? How do we want to be remembered? Whether it's by people in the community, whether it's by our professors, or probably most importantly, by the teams against whom we compete. How, how do we want to be remembered? And 
you know, are we the team that's going to, you know, run out the hard 90? Are we the team that regardless of what the scoreboard said is, is, is competing on every pitch or do we show that sort of grit and toughness? Um, you know, are we, are we together? And, and I think that what we, what we did with that e and an Eagle acronym is we had a discussion about it. Right. And these are the, these are sort of the core pillars that, that, we want, and, and certainly I have my ideas about, Hey, some of these things are kind of non-negotiable. Like some, some of these things sort of need to be in there, but those non-negotiable things, those kids want too, right? Like the grit for us is, you know, the ability to be an Eagle in adversity, right? I mean, that, that's what it is to, to, to be at your very best in the face of adversity. And those kids want that, right. And, you know, they, they want every guy to be the dude that they want with the ball on the mound, with the, the winning run that's at second base or, or the dude that's at the plate with the same chance to go win the game. And so um, some of those non-negotiables for me are, are, are ones that they want to, you know, the ones that exist on the fringe a little bit are, you know, things like, Hey, you know, uh, I don't even know, you know, I mean, they probably aren't going to like warm up and go oh, love for my teammates. Right. They're like, Oh, I don't know about that. You know, what's that all about? But, right. but at the end of the day, they're just, they're afraid to use the word love in conjunction with another male. Right. But it, right. that's what it is. And I try to explain to them like, Hey, this is like a, you know, this is like a biblical love. This is a Jesus's love, right? This is treat others as you would want to be treated and, 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 and do the right thing by other people and sacrifice for your teammates, sacrifice for the team. Right. I mean, and in, in, in the course of a game, that's like laying a sack bunt down or, you know, even worse, like that doesn't even hurt your batting average. Right. But hitting the ground ball, the second baseman that scores the run. Yeah. You get a ribeye, but like that's hurting your batting average, you know, and even worse, if you're hitting behind the hitter moving from, from second to third, and you get a, that same four to three ground out, you, you have absolutely nothing that comes like that shows up in the, in the box score. That's, that's good for you. But that was a big part of our offense, right? Is to be able to do those types of things. So right. that's what we talk about with love for our teammates, love for our team. Well, and is it also love? It's love for the process, right? And love for development. I mean, everybody, everybody loves the outcome, you know, yeah. but to say, but to say, Mick, and you'll hear, you'll hear people say this, you got to love the outcome. When you hear someone say, you got to love the outcome. What, how do you, how, how does, what's that mean to you? When you hear someone to me, say, I, I think fall in love with the outcome. For, for me, I think it's like, you got to fall in love with pursuing the outcome, Yeah. right? You know, it, it's the pursuit of the outcome. And, and ultimately, you know, there's nothing in baseball that says that you're going to, you know, just because I work hard, just because I lift weights, just because I work from, you know, the time August when we show up to the end of the season, doesn't mean that you're going to win games. It doesn't mean that you're going to hit 350. It doesn't mean that you're going to be a starter, right? Um, and I think that, but what can you control? One, none of those things are totally under your control. And, and so I think that's another one that we really bring to the table. That's an important, impactful thing for our kids to understand that, um, you know, that you can put it right on the barrel and someone can catch it, right? You don't control that. Um, I mean, especially now at the big league level with all these shifts, some guy squares a ball up and there's some dude in short right center field and he throws them out at first base. You know, I mean, it's just that you, you can't control where they're going to play, right? Um, and then, then I, you know, I take that to a different one. And, and you know, you, you mentioned Pete Frades, who's like my favorite human of all time. Um, and, you know, Pete couldn't control the fact that he got ALS. He controlled his friggin' response to ALS. I can tell you that right now, you know. Um, I mean, $250 million later after the, you know, ice bucket challenge. And, um, you know, prior to Pete, this was called Lou Gehrig's disease. That's what everyone knew it as, right? But Pete changed the, 
change the dialogue on this thing. He's moved the needle toward a cure more than any single person that's ever walked the face of the planet, right? He and Pat Quinn down in, in, in New York, both of those guys, n neither one of those guys could control that they got ALS. They controlled their response and were working toward a better outcome, hopefully for someone who contracts it five years from now. Talk about that, Mick, as a head coach, when, when in your program, you know, you, you have a situation like Pete's situation. And then how do you, how do you as a coach use that opportunity as a life lesson for the, the, the men in that locker room and the people in that locker room to say, Hey, here's, here's an equal articles O opportunity. And here's an opportunity where baseball is bigger than what's on the field. How, how do you, how do you do that as a coach? I mean, for me, I, I talk to them about it, you know, um, you know, I, I know that you have the perspective poster. I think there's versions of that with like, you know, hero highlight hardship type of a thing. Um, yeah, I, I talked to, I talk about Pete constantly, you know, it, it's like, Hey, this is what it is. But I, I mean, there's so many of it when we were, when we were at Notre Dame, you know, I was in, um, uh, we had a young man, you know, Daniel, who we adopted, he had an inoperable brain tumor. Um, thankfully it hasn't, you know, it hasn't been a fatal deal, but you know, he's going for chemo. I mean, he's 11 years old when we adopted him and he's going for chemo and he's doing all of this stuff. And, um, we saw it right there in the locker room. He was there all the time. You know, yeah. um, there were these twins when I was at BC that we adopted, um, same deal, you know, and, and they see it. And so I, I think again, coaching gives us a platform to have, to, to show them, show our kids that, you know, on your worst day of going over four, or if you go, you know, your worst weekend and you're, you're 0 for 16 with 12 punchados at the end of the, like, there's some perspective that we need to be brought to the table. I'm not saying that, like, I'm not trying to minimize your pain. I'm not trying to minimize the fact that that sucks. Um, but let's kind of keep it within the bounds of reason in terms of our feeling sorry for ourselves deal. Right. Cause right here in our locker room, we've got a kid who's got an inoperable brain tumor. Um, you know, I, I know a guy who played for me who, passed away at 33 years old because of ALS, but he changed the course of that disease. He, he, he changed the course of the world as it re relates to that disease. And you can change your 0 for 16 by going out on Tuesday and just, just continuing to follow the process and, you know, not, not chasing outcomes, but chasing barrel contact and they'll start falling. Speaking about chasing process and not outcomes, Mick, I know one of the things that you're big on is quality at bats over batting average as a coach. Mm -hmm. And I think having a measurement of in baseball, specifically quality at bats that you have more control over than the end result batting average. Would you talk a little bit about kind of, you know, why you went to a process based measurement for, for, for quality at bats and how that helps your guys handle the frustration or the struggle that can come, especially in a sport like baseball? Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard, right? I mean, you, you know, you do everything right. You pick the right pitch, you put a good swing on it, you barrel it up, you know, whatever in this day of metrics, you know, and track man and everything else, it's 99 off the bat with a 15 launch angle and what, you know, 850 times out of a thousand, that should be a hit. And for you, it wasn't, you know, on that particular day. So I think we define it all the time as barrel contact. You hit a ball hard. That's a quality, right? Um, you know, you do something to help the team, a sack bunt, a ground out to score a run, a sack fly, you know, get hit by a pitch, draw a walk, whatever it is, something that you do, um, like you're helping the team without having actually gotten a hit, you know, uh, two strike hits, your ability to get 0-2 and extend the bat to 3-2. 
that's a quality at bat for us because you've you know you've put on kind of that that little warriors mentality in the box and and you did something right you made him extend that thing four more pitches and if if that's the case you know we're, we're talking about you know it's the old uh sly stallone right rocky's just it's you know it's gut punches it's gut punches and then we go for the head later on you know um and, and so i think that's that I think those things, you know, you're helping the team, you, you're controlling what you can control, which is what you swing at, you know, the mindset that you bring to the, to the plate and, you know, the, and then you put it on the barrel, everything, you did everything right. So sometimes it goes against you and that can be super, super frustrating. You know, we talk about quality pitches with our pitchers as well, right? A quality pitch is, did you execute the pitch that you intended to execute? So if you're trying to go glove side, with a fastball in the lower half of the zone and you execute it, regardless of whether you got a strikeout, whether it got balled or whether it got like capped into, you know, into center field for a base hit, it's a quality pitch. So, you know, as much as the outcome might be great or crap, you, you did, you controlled what you could control. I think that goes across, you know, Mick, as we have coaches here from, from all sports, you know, we've got college golf coaches on here. We've got uh, high school softball coaches who are preparing to go play in, in state championships on the call. We've got coaches from all different sports. And I think as a mental performance coach, and, and as I look at, at the work I've done in, in every different sport, whether it be at the high school level, the college level, the professional level, if there was one thing mindset wise that would be transformational across every program, every age, every sport, it would be exactly what you're talking about, controlling what you can control. For the coaches that are on this call, would you kind of maybe unpack why that's such an important mindset for you and how you continue to live that on a daily basis when the result is so heavy? Uh, I, I think it's, it really truly is, right? Uh, and I talk about it in the context of, I think that you're not being an eagle. Um, you're letting your team down at some level or another, if you're not able to get, because I, I would add to you, like for me, one of the most transformational things is sort of the idea of being where your feet are, right. Mm -hmm. To, to be like present moment focused. Um, you can't live in the past. Uh, you can't worry about the future. You just have to be where you are right now and, and be the very best that you can. And in order to be the very best that you can in that particular moment in time, whether it's the next snap, whether it's the next, you know, whether it's the next shot, whether whatever it happens to be, um, all of the things that you can't control are just noise that we have to have a mechanism to filter out. Um, that could be expectations, you know, whether it's your own or your parents or somebody in the stands, a professional scout, it could be the weather, it could be a referee or an umpire's call. Um, you know, I remember one time way back in the day, I used to play golf all the time and I was playing at Bethpage uh, on the blue course, not the black course. And it, it, it was, it was cold, right? It was winter golf. And I was out there, it was like a 50 degree day. And I pured one right onto the green, but the green unbeknownst to me, cause how would I know? It was like a little frozen. So it hits the green and the damn ball like shoots up like 25 feet in the air. And it's like, you know, I, you know, it's like way in the woods and I come out making a snowman or something, you know? And I mean, those are things that you just can't, you can't control it. Like, it's like bad luck. And so if you spend mental or emotional energy worrying about that, being pissed about that, right. Your focus is it's, it, it's, it doesn't have the bandwidth to how to, to deal with all of those different things. And if you're not 
able to move past that and focus on the job at hand. You're letting yourself down and you're letting your team down and you're not putting yourself in the very best position to have success on this pitch, on this snap, on this shot, whatever it happens to be. So much, so much greatness coming out here as the chat is kind of blowing up. And again, if you have questions for coach Mick Aoki, please go ahead and post them here in the chat, either to everybody, or you can tag me specifically in them. And we'll get to those questions here in a minute. You know, Mick, I love talking about being where your feet are, controlling what you can control, not letting your teammates down a high degree of accountability, going from coach fed to player led, being above the line, not below the line. E plus R equals O, how you define a set of core principles of an Eagle for your program. I mean, so much greatness that's going on here. And I think when we talk about greatness, when it comes to, to, to high school athletics and to fundraising, especially, I always look at fundraising university. And, and I know for you as a college coach now at Moorhead State, wanting to do some of the things with your team, uh, you know, budgets aren't always where they need to be coming out of a pandemic. And I know you participated in a fundraiser with fundraising university. And, and would you talk a little bit about kind of how you worked that as a coach and what your experience like was with them? Um, it, it was great. It, it was, it was awesome. So, you know, w- without getting too, too much into the weeds of it, right. It, it's kind of a, it's like the 21st century friends and family mailing is, is basically what it is, but it's made so much easier. The outcome at the end of it is, is so much shorter. You don't have to worry about snail mail and, and everything else. And so we had done one at Moorhead that is was our single biggest fundraiser is like a friends and family letter and we would send it out and ask for donations to help with all the things that you just mentioned and it would raise you know about twelve thousand dollars which is which is good right um and and certainly twelve thousand dollars helps with a lot of stuff especially with the cost of baseballs these days um but it's um you know, so we just did, we just finished our fundraising you fund you now event. We kept the link open for a little over a week and we were able to raise just about $30,000 in, mm. in a nine day period of time. Um, it was incredibly easy. Um, and, and I'm going to tell you another thing too, that, that I think was an awesome life lesson from it is. So you text, you first text each one of these people that are on your list. Uh, and, and then basically you spend the rest of that one night event uh, calling all of the people that you just text, right? So I call you up and I'm like, hey, Kaner, man, I just sent you a text and, you know, we're looking to raise some money. We need a new pitching machine. We need to be able to afford to bring you to Moorhead and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, hey, do you think you could help us out a little bit, right? And you're like, yeah, no problem, dude. Here it is. I'm opening the link and sending it right away. Well, that conversation that hopefully I made look really easy, our kids were like petrified of it. It took, you know, like, because that's not their medium, right? The texting is their medium. Snap is their medium. The ability to like pick up a phone and call somebody is not. I thought it was awesome. I'm like, hey, there's no profession that you go into in your life where you're not going to have to have face-to-face, slightly uncomfortable conversations with other people or on the phone, slightly uncomfortable conversation. So I think there's a life lesson in this fundraising piece too, to be honest with you. Yeah, I agreed. And, and, and also, if you don't ask, the answer is always what? No. The answer is right. always no, yeah. right? So yeah. you, you were able to do a fund you now with Fundraising University and raise $30,000. And it sounds like in the span of less than nine days. And, and, and were you on the phone continually for nine days or was, was it no. the cart was open? No. I mean, how now, much so, time did it take for you as a head coach? 
So uh, hardly any at all. I mean, right. Because um, I, I think for me, there were some lessons that I learned from it, but it was, you know, you explain how important it is to your players. You get your players to get their 30 names and their 30 cell phone numbers and you have them fundraising. You provides you with a nice little template for them to complete all of it on. You get together for that one night and you can go for an hour. You can go for an hour and 15, whatever it is. Uh, you text, you spend the first 15 minutes sort of sending out those texts. Um, and then they send them out and you call them. And then for like the next nine days, my, my big thing was just, Hey, I want you guys to just clearly, you're not going to be able to reach 30 people in one hour. So just keep calling, keep calling, follow up on those texts that you sent. Uh, we took 15 minutes out of a practice about four days later to just call, have each guy call maybe five more people. Um, and you know, at the night of the event, we raised about $9,000. And then over the course of the last, um, you know, probably what, eight, eight or so days, the other, you know, 22,000 sort of, sort of rolled in. So it's, it's been amazing. 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 Yeah. And, and is all your time as a head coach and the fundraisers that you've done your whole career, would you say this is one of the easier ones you've ever done? Oh yeah, this was, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It was absolutely one of the very easiest things I've ever done. And it was, uh, you know, Mike is, as you know, tremendous. And he was really helpful. Um, he's got his right-hand man, Steve. It was tremendously helpful. Um, you know, Mike Effinger kind of coached me up on how it all goes. And this is how you got to do it. And this and that. And it, was, it was seamless. It was great. Awesome. So once again, we'd like to take a moment here on the Coaching Matters Group Coaching Podcast to once again, thank Fundraising University and owner Mike Bahoon is the official sponsor for the Coaching Matters Group Coaching Podcast. And for our current coaches that are here, if you'd like to be a Coaching Matters ambassador coach in your state and earn five to $20,000 part-time, or you'd like to raise $30,000 for your program as a coach like Coach Aoki did, contact Mike Bahoon, M-B-A-H-U-N, M. Bahoon at fundraisingu, the letter U, dot net to inquire about our new ambassador coach program. Coach Aoki, man, I could sit here and talk with you for days like we used to do on those snowy runs at the University of Notre Dame before we would go sweep North Carolina on a weekend. But we're going to put the, the recording on pause here and we're going to come back and take questions. And this will be next week's podcast. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next week. Thanks for checking out this week's Coaching Matters podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a subscribe and a review. Also, be sure to engage with us on social media here in the notes for the show. And remember, dream big, raise more, and coaching matters.